Today on Study the Word from Pastor Tom Keller. And folks, this same promise of protection from premature harm is given to you. In Psalm 66, verse 9, our lives are in His hands, and He keeps our feet from stumbling. I've shared this before, but I don't mind repeating it. One of my favorite sayings is, the man of God in the will of God is immortal until the work God has called them to do is complete. If you're in the will of God, you cannot be taken out early. And folks, some of you are going to be in situations someday, and you're going to need that assurance. If you're in the will of God, you cannot be taken out early. Welcome to the daily radio program, Study the Word. In a moment, we'll rejoin our Bible teacher, Pastor Tom Keller. Today, we're finishing chapter 10 of the Gospel of John. Jesus is again in a confrontation with a hostile crowd. They want to stone him, but they could not seize him because his hour had not yet come. Here's Pastor Tom to share more about this and other important topics. We're starting with verse 24. The dialogue with the religious leaders begins in verse 24 people surrounded him and asked, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus replied, I have already told you, and you don't believe me. The proof is the work that I do in my Father's name. But you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. Now here Jesus makes the claim of being God. Uh, indirectly. Jesus had told them the same thing before, again, but not directly. I think the closest he comes to this in the Gospel of John, in, in verse 19, he says it kind of cryptically. Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does also. A bit cryptically. John 8, verse 58 Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. God is the great I am, again, but a bit cryptically. John 10, verse 9, yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastors. Again, cryptically pointing to his role. But here, again, Jesus says that the proof that he is the Messiah is the miracles that he does. It's the same as we saw back in John chapter 5, where Jesus said, but I have a greater witness in John than John the Baptist, my teachings and my miracles. The Father gave me these works to accomplish, and they prove that he sent me. And then Jesus continues the sheep and shepherd analogy, which began in the first part of chapter 10, in verse 26. But you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life, listen, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. My Father has given them to me, and he's more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. Now, note what this says. Jesus says, my sheep recognize my, my faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, it's been said that the portal that God uses to reach man is to the ear, through hearing. It's been said that the portal that Satan uses to reach his man is through the eye, through sight. 
interesting observation. Verse 27, my sheep recognize my voice. Do you remember Mary Magdalene in the garden looking for Jesus? How did she recognize Jesus? By seeing him? No. She thought he was a gardener. No. Jesus said one word, Mary. (laughs) I love that. She spun on a dime and said, Rabboni, master, by voice. This isn't in my notes, but I've said this before. You know, at the age that I'm at now, and I, maybe, I, maybe I'm not thought this through completely, but if I had to give up either eyesight or hearing, I'd give up eyesight. I know my wife, she's so beautiful. I'll never forget what she looks like. But to see her and not be able to hear her voice, not to be able to hear her sing across the room, not to hear her laugh, be a tragic loss. There's something about hearing that goes to a different place in us emotionally than sight. Sight is a bit external. Hearing goes deep into the heart. My sheep know my, my voice. And we'll follow that same voice, or at least we're supposed to follow that voice. That's the objective. And verse 27 makes that point. My sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. That's your role. You're a sheep, your role, my role, is to follow the shepherd. And then, beautifully, we encounter one of the strongest assurances of God's commitment to the permanency of your salvation. John 10, verse 28. I get Jesus speaking. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish No one will snatch them out of my hand. Now look closely. It says, give. I give them eternal life. It's a free gift. And note the word never. No one, never. Never is an absolute. Can it change? Never. No. When it says they shall never perish, in Greek the word is umai, umai, and it means never, completely not, not at all, by no means. And then the Greek word ion is added to give strength, and that means forever, in unbroken age, perpetuity of time, eternity. Sounds pretty final, doesn't it? Peter confirms the same idea in 1 Peter chapter 1. He says, all praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we've been born again because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with great, this is you folks, Now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled. Listen to these words, beyond the reach of change and decay. And if that isn't strong enough, Jesus even adds this in verse 28, no one will snatch them from me. John MacArthur says, quote, No stronger passage in the New Testament exists for the absolute, eternal security of every true Christian. And then, as to how Jesus is so certain of this, he says this in verse 29. For my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. So he says, I guarantee it, and my Father who is stronger than anyone, 
guarantees it as well. And folks, we've talked about this often, but I really hope this issue is settled in you, that you know with confidence that you're saved, redeemed, that's fixed in heaven. You're already seated in the heavenlies, and you have that confidence in that because it does affect everything, everything. And then in verse 30, Jesus hands the religious leaders the very ammunition they need to justify killing him on the spot, right then. Verse 30, the Father and I are one. Listen, if anyone ever challenges you by saying Jesus never claimed to be God, walk them to this verse. Now, why this one in particular? Because listen to what happened next. In John 10, 31, then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, many good works I have shown you from my Father. For which of these works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, for a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you, being a man, make yourself God. So they said, we're going to stone you because you claim to be God. What did Jesus say? Oh, no, 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 I didn't mean that. No, I didn't mean that I... No, he didn't back away from that. He acknowledged that 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 is what he was saying. Verse 33 says, because you a mere man claim to be God, so they are saying to Jesus, Jesus, you claim to be God. And he did not deny the claim. And then Jesus quotes Psalm 82, verse 6. Jesus replied, it is written in your own scriptures that God said to certain leaders of the people, I say you are gods. God said to certain leaders of the people, I say you are gods. And you know the scriptures cannot be altered. So if those people who received God's message were called gods, why do you call it blasphemy when I say I am the son of God? After all, the father set me apart and sent me into the world. Here Jesus quotes Psalm 82 verse 6 where he says, I say, you are gods, you're all children of the Most High. Now, in Hebrew, the word that's used here, this is critical, is the word Elohim, and Elohim can mean the one true God, but Elohim can also mean an earthly ruler, magistrate, or judge. It can mean either. Example of that reference is found in Exodus 22, verse 8, where it says, but if the thief is not found... The owner of the house must appear before the judges and they must determine whether the owner of the house has laid hands on the other person's property. If the thief is not found, the owner of the house must appear before the Elohim. Earthly judges, earthly magistrates. So Jesus does a play in words here. He pre-qualifies his statement by saying, the Torah says that certain leaders of the people are Elohim, judges, magistrates, earthly rulers. So how can the Bible deny my claim. And then once again, Jesus points to the miracles he is doing, healing the sick, raising the dead, as proof that he is who he claims to be. John 10, 37, Jesus speaking, don't believe me unless I carry out my father's work. But if I do his work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I have done. Even if you don't believe in me, then you will know and understand that the father is in me, and I am in the Father. Jesus says, in essence, even if you don't believe me, if you don't believe anything that I say, how can you deny my miracles? The miracles are the proof that God has sent me. 
And Nicodemus actually confirmed this claim of Jesus way early in his ministry. In John 3, verse 1, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader, who was a Pharisee. Most believe he was a member of the Sanhedrin. High ranking. After dark one evening, early in Jesus' ministry, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, listen, listen, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. That is exactly what Jesus is claiming here in John chapter 10. You see, these works were assigned to Jesus for three years to prove that he was sent by God. Again, back to John 5, verse 36. But I have a greater witness in John the Baptist, my teachings and my miracles. The Father gave, listen closely, the Father gave me these works to accomplish, and they prove that he sent me. Again, covered this before, but there are pastors, there are churches that say that it is God's will to heal every single person of every single illness here on earth if you just have enough faith. And they will try to make their case by saying, well, remember, Jesus healed every single person of every single illness. I thought the Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Well, all of that is true. But those miracles were specifically assigned to Jesus during those three years in order to prove that he was who he claimed to be. Listen, listen, listen. If he had ever failed, ever one time failed to heal someone, it would have worked to invalidate his claim. He healed everyone. It was assigned to him as evidence, as proof that he was who he claimed to be. But after those three years were over, the need for those miracles to validate him being who he claimed to be had ended. And so did the absolute nature of Jesus healing all people of every illness and every situation. Does he still heal today? Absolutely. There's a, there are people out of balance on that side as well. Does he heal every single one? No. Why? Because sometimes he has a better plan. Sometimes he has a better plan. And that means us surrendering what we are sure is the best plan and acknowledging that maybe he has a better plan. I've often said this, I would be disappointed if I understood all that God did because if it did, I'd be making him a man. I don't want to make him a man. He's way above my pay grade when it comes to making those decisions. And as a result of Jesus' claim to be God, the Jewish leaders try to arrest him. Verse 39 once again, they tried to arrest him, but he got away and left them. He went beyond the Jordan River near the place where John was first baptizing and stayed there a while, and many followed him. John didn't perform miraculous signs, they remarked one another, but everything he said about this man has come true. And many who were there believed in Jesus. Now, it says that Jesus escaped not because he was afraid of what they would do to him, not to avoid what his destiny, but because he knew the cross was his destiny at Passover, still four months away. And folks, this same promise of protection from premature harm is given to you. In Psalm 66, verse 9, our lives are in his hands, and he keeps our feet from stumbling. Psalm 18, verse 36, you have made a wide path for my feet to keep them from slipping. Psalm 37, 23. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. 
He delights in every detail of their lives. I've shared this before, but I don't mind repeating it. One of my favorite sayings is, the man of God in the will of God is immortal until the work God has called him to do is complete. Listen again. The man of God in the will of God is immortal until the work God has called them to do is complete. If you're in the will of God, you cannot be taken out early. And folks, some of you are going to be in situations someday and you're going to need that assurance. If you're in the will of God, you cannot be taken out early. And Jesus leaves Jerusalem, we're told, and then goes what is called beyond the Jordan River. Now, there's some disagreement as to this location. Some point to Bethany, which was only two miles from Jerusalem. But the commentator Gill says that it is clear from history that John the Baptist did not ever baptize near Jerusalem, but only in the Judean wilderness. And a reason that I personally believe that it was here near Jericho is because right before Jesus uh, last week in Jerusalem, we find that he went to Jericho. In Luke 19, verse 1, different gospel, it says Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. Progressing through 19, verse 28 says, after telling the story, Jesus went on toward Jerusalem, leaving Jericho, walking ahead of his disciples. Same chapter, 41. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city head, he began to weep. And then verse 47, the end of the chapter, after that he taught daily in the temple. So he's in Jericho, he's walking, and now at the end of the chapter, he's in Jerusalem. And folks, this is the beginning of the end, this walk to Jericho. So chapter 11, we'll find Jesus back in Jerusalem for the last few days of his life leading up to the crucifixion. And chapter 10 closes out by saying that many in the crowds now believed in him. Verse 41, and many followed him. John didn't perform miraculous signs, they remarked to one another, but everything he said about this man, everything John said about Jesus has come true. And many who were there believed in Jesus. So their line of reasoning went like this. Number one, we believe that John the Baptist was a prophet of God. Almost everyone believed that. Number two, we believe John to be a prophet, even though he did not do miracles. Number three, this man Jesus, who John prophesied about, does spectacular miracles. And number four, John, who we trust as a prophet, told us that Jesus is the Messiah. And as a result, many believed. Many believed. So how does today's lesson apply to me? John 10, 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Listen, folks, I give them eternal life and they will, you will never perish. No one can snatch you away from Jesus. Now, here's the question. Are you one of Jesus' sheep? You say, how do I know? But simple, really, did you ever sincerely pray to ask God to forgive you and to receive Jesus as your Savior? You might say yes, but I often question if I really am saved because I committed a lot of sins before I prayed that prayer. Or, and even after, I sinned a lot after being saved. How can I be sure I'm still forgiven? Well, there are a few truths here that I'd like you to try to never forget. Number one, you cannot sin more than he can forgive. Now, are there consequences to sin? 
Yes, absolutely. But once saved, Jesus rejecting you is not one of those consequences. You cannot sin more than he can forgive. Number two, once saved, God doesn't examine your life to see if you are still worthy of his love and forgiveness. Listen, under the Old Testament sacrificial law, the worshiper bringing the sacrifice was never examined by the priest. It was implicit in the worshiper bringing the sacrifice that the worshiper had sins and blemishes. It's why he brought the sacrifice. That's why he came. It was only, listen, it was only the sacrifice that was examined, never the worshiper. And it's the same too with us. Once under grace, the worshiper is never examined. Only the sacrifice. When you come before God, you're not examined. Only the sacrifice. You think there's there's a flaw in Jesus? The perfect spotless lamb that takes away the sins of the world? No. You're not examined. Jesus is examined. Always remember, always remember, I am not saved by a work done by me, nor a work done in me, but a work done for me. I'm not saved by a work done by me. I'm not saved by a work done in me, but I'm saved by a work done for me. Oh, one more thing. Let me read these verses, 27 and 28. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one, and as this last line, no one can snatch you away from Jesus. There you are. Nobody can snatch you out of those hands. Nobody. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for the confidence we can have in your love. In the perfect sacrifice that you were, are, and we are so grateful, Lord. We are sinners saved by grace, every single one of us. We don't deserve a bit. We, don't, we really don't get this. The longer I've studied this, the less I understand it. The creator dying for his created. <laughs> Who would think of a story like that? But it's true. You loved us so much that you gave your son that we could be redeemed. Listen, if you're here this morning, you're listening to the radio, you're watching the internet, if you've never prayed to receive Jesus, you're not that little lamb in his arms. You're running around down there somewhere chasing after something, but you are, you're a train out of control. If you want to come into his loving arms, it happens in a simple way. He made it very simple for us. It came at a huge price to him, but he did make it simple for us. It means confessing your sins and receiving Jesus. If you'd like to do that, if you want to be that little lamb in his arms that no one can touch, then pray this prayer quietly, silently in your heart. Father, I acknowledge that I've sinned. I've made so many mistakes, and I ask you to forgive me. And I do receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and Lord, acknowledging that his death on that cross purchased my pardon, set me free. Thank you, Jesus. And now I pray, Lord, for all of us that have ever prayed that prayer, that we would be sheep who recognize your voice and follow you. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. We pray all this in Christ's name. And all of God's people said, amen.
Thanks for joining us today for Study the Word with Pastor Tom Keller. Hear these studies from the Gospel of John again at ccleb.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel at Calvary Chapel, Lebanon. If you'd rather have a CD copy, call 717-273-5633. If you find these studies helpful to your walk with Christ, we'd like to know. It'd be so encouraging to Pastor Tom and all of us at Study the Word. Give us a call at 717-273-5633 or write to Study the Word, 740 Willow Street, Lebanon, Pennsylvania, 17046. You can also email us through the website at ccleb.com. Study the Word is made possible through the support of our listeners. Large or small, your gifts help to make these programs possible on stations all across the nation. So thank you for standing with us with either a one-time gift or ongoing monthly support. You can give online at ccleb.com or call 717-273-5633. We hope you'll visit us sometime here at Calvary Chapel, Lebanon. For our service times and more information, go online to ccleb.com. Be sure to introduce yourself after service as a radio listener. That would put a smile on our face. You can also watch our live stream there at ccleb.com or on our YouTube channel at Calvary Chapel, Lebanon. Study the Word with Pastor Tom Keller is brought to you by Calvary Chapel, Lebanon. May God richly bless you as you study the Word. Come back next time when we'll pick up where we left off in John's Gospel as we continue to study the Word. Study the Word.